Welcome to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined by co-host Gramps this week. This week's episode is episode number 54. Our guest is Lamont Ratcliffe of Texas Medical Marijuana Doctors. How's everybody doing this evening? Well, well, how are you? Doing awesome. Glad to see you. I don't know about anybody else. Are are y'all prepared for the 100 degree day we're possibly going to have for the first day of fall? Wow. Have no choice. Isn't that that something? (laughs) Taking my kid to school this morning comes on the radio. You know, the first day of fall could be 100 degrees. But like, oh God, why? Yeah, but it's just supposed to be that one day or something and go right back, I think, a day or two down to in, into the, the mid-90s or something. It's going to be abysmal no matter what. <laughs> it's going to be a tough. So tell us about yourself, Lamont. How did, how did you get into doing Texans for Texas medical marijuana doctors? Well, I started out with, uh, I'm a registered nurse by trade, so I started out with Wellness Pain and Associates, and what we do is we see um, individuals that are involved in motor vehicle accidents, so we've been doing that for about 15 years, and jumped on the cannabis industry by um, meeting a physician by the name of Dr. Mark Macbeth, which was, which he was one of the first physicians to um, be registered through Kurt, um, board certified oncologist with MD Anderson for 35 years. So he and I got together and um, I created Texas Medical Marijuana Doctors in 2018 and really caught a lot of momentum with it and started strategically planning and marketing well in 2020. And just this past year, um, on September 1st, when we were able to see patients under the new diagnosis is when things started really taking off for us. How many patients would y'all say y'all got within this, this last legislative session with the change of the rules? Like how big of a, a jump was it for y'all? It was, we were, we are probably at maybe 3,500 patients. Wow. Y'all are yeah. at, th- y'all are at 3,500 right now or y'all. Yeah, we were at 35. We were at about 3,500 in August. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we have how long have y'all been doing this now? Um, so we started September. So we're we're roughly at about three hundred, three to four hundred patients a month. Okay. So that roughly kind of gets us around the number that we're at right now. I think right now for the month of last time I looked, we were at two ninety. Last I got the report um last week we were at two ninety something for the month of September. We still have two more weeks to go. And that's the number of patient new patients y'all brought in. Yeah, that's the number of new patients. However, Based on um, the one-year recertification, some of those are being grouped. Um, the recertifications have started in September, obviously, sure. after one year. Okay. Nice. That's, that's, an, that's a nice little, we wish it could be more. Obviously, everybody wishes it could be more, yes. especially from a business standpoint. But from an advocacy standpoint, it's great hearing that. We still wish the number would be bigger, considering there's, what, almost 30 million, if not right. more people in Texas. Right. Yeah, that's, that's tough, you know. Um, one of the things that we're finding out, um, just being on the front line, me speaking to uh, my individuals that I have in a department that does nothing but set appointments. So my appointment setters, they spend half of uh, the time on the phone educating and letting them know that, hey, you do have the opportunity to see a doctor. Um, and if your diagnosis fits, then you'll be able to get up under the um, Texas program. So. Mm-hmm you know, just educating this half of the conversation. Cause I'm, I'm getting reports and wondering why you're on the phone to book one appointment for 14 minutes. And they're saying like, Hey, I'm spending the first eight minutes letting them know that this is legal, that they have this opportunity. Yeah. It's we, we we talk, got a lot of work to do with that. We have a lot of work yeah, to do. with that. Yeah. We, we talk about that almost every week. Don't we, Jesse, where, where education yep. is the number one key, not just with lawmakers, but with the people, the public, there's a lot of people that have no idea 
I had a conversation with my neighbor. Um, it's been a couple of months ago now, but we were just out, you know, moving sprinklers around during that big long stint of of hundred degree weather we had a while back, and uh, we were just talking. And and he said how he went to home on vacation, got a cabin, you know, and stayed up there for a week, and said he went into a dispensary and tried to get a little something, something, you know. Of course, they wouldn't let him because he did wasn't an Oklahoma resident, right? But they sold him some Delta Eight products and and turned him onto that. And mm-hmm. I said, dude, you get that right here in Texas, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I said, not to mention, and I just happened to have one of the the uh, Good Blend pamphlets in my truck for for a Good Blend uh, in Texas here. I'm one of our medical providers, and I went and grabbed that pamphlet and I went and showed him. I said, look, we even have legal medical program here in Texas. He said, no, we don't. I said, yeah, here, look. <laughs> But you know, yeah. it's crazy. You have a program. It ain't the best program. It's still no, something, you know. Yeah, we're kicking the can down the road with that. You know how? You know, I mean, you guys are on the front line with that, and it's just um, one of the things that we try to do is when we work with advocacy groups, is um, we let them know that you know, if our patients need to call, we did a lot of calls during the last session. Uh, we have a really good book of our patients, and we let them know that hey, um, things could change and roll back or roll sideways. So. Um, we'd like for you to uh, place this call. We have a cell phone in our office. I mean, we were really mobilizing where the patients come in, get on the cell phone. Can you just, you know, call, let them know you support HB 1535, and then we'll just, we'll keep it going. So that's important to hear from the patients, you know, and not just Absolutely. you, not just a business person as we want to just make money, but to hear from the patients. I think that's the most um, influential voice. Sure. You're telling yeah. me something I definitely need to work on now with getting some information out is finding out what the, the, the things that keep having to be repeated mm-hmm. by your service lines to explain to future patients or possible patients what they're trying to figure out. That way, they're just ready to come to any doctor, including y'all, to say, you know, I read through these guidelines. I believe I qualify. I want to get an appointment and just make sure that I do or I don't. Right. And I think the the main issue with that is that the public, the ones that do have a little information, first of all, there's two segments, one to have absolutely no information. So you got to coddle them into um, what's going on and bring them up to speed. Then you have some that I've heard a little something here or there. They tend to think that they have to have it already diagnosed. And we all know that PTSD especially with our law enforcement patients, um, what we found out in having very good conversations with them is that it goes undiagnosed because they'll lose their rank. So they tend to kind of keep that under um, the veil until later down the line or until it becomes a a really big issue. So we have a, within our office, we have a mental health professional, um, three of them that will see patients via um, telemedicine and then they can work a diagnosis up uh, for that patient and then turn that patient over to us. And then we can go ahead and do our job, the certification. So a lot of times we let them know if you don't have any PTSD documentation, we understand that. If you're a veteran, we know how hard it is to get information and uh, paperwork from the VA. Then you can come in and we can assist you with working that diagnosis up. And that's one of the things that I think you guys need to try to get that out there, that you don't have to have all your ducks in a row. You can give them a call and. They have a mental health expert on file and, you know, we can get it done if you qualify. I know we have a we've I've created a website for our veteran side of things mm-hmm. where I explain the steps of going through and what you need to get together. If you do have documentation, because documentation really does help. It does. It's not required. And PTSD is one of those things that it's, it's strangely, despite it being technically like a complex issue, 
it is very easy to diagnose. The, the DSM-5 has made that insanely easy because I right. think it's like 30 questions. Yeah. You answer these 30 questions and just they score that and they go, well, you likely have this. We can yeah. give you a diagnosis based on just that. Right. Yeah. And there's ways of getting the, I know I posted up about getting information for veterans because there's an online system where you can just go and say, hey, I want my record. And they'll give you a digital copy of your record in a matter of like a minute. Right. Mm -hmm. So they'll say it, the, the difficult thing is when you've got records and are out at some private provider and they're like, oh, we want we want 50 bucks for you to get a copy right. of your yeah. record. And we do something real special for uh, veterans on Thursdays. We do um, a discounted rate for veterans because we understand the ones that we have seen. Um, sometimes they've had to piece together. Um, and that's something that we're implementing in January of 2023 is a payment program because some of them just don't have even the, you know, $50 to even start the process. So uh, we work with them in a very, very flexible way. So um, we see a lot of those patients. We reserve those spots on Thursdays for veterans and we see them at a, a really, really good discounted rate. Yeah. It's a, it's a fixed income. And that's yes. the big issue there is, yeah they're already having to budget everything else in their life. And that's usually taking up their budget. And then they've got this other issue that their insurance goes, no, we're yeah, not yeah. touching that <laughs> at all. Exactly. Um, my personal recommendation is that the name of the health insurance company is called TriWest. So if right. your providers can get TriWest certified for something the VA would normally cover other mm -hmm. than the typical medical marijuana, I've heard of patients being able to get covered. They get like, they need to get seen for rheumatoid arthritis. Right. And they go see a provider and that provider takes TriWest, but they're like, yo, I'm also a Kurt registered physician. Right. So mm. you kind of, you get to kind of double up and the VA's mm. like, whatever, because they, they don't get to, strangely enough, they don't get to have that control. Right. They're like, you know, we won't cover that in our system, but if they send it out in town, well, that's on it, you. It's, you. A, it's a comprehensive exam. What it's for is irrelevant, but it's a comprehensive, it's still the same exam that you would be doing. And, if they cover, as long as you meet the criteria of performing that exam, then they will cover it. So I need to really look into that for our, our network. Yeah, a way I've kind of circled around on the VA, and this is an issue veterans face. I imagine it's a question that you guys get a lot is that, do I lose my benefits if I get into this program? Will the VA be denying my benefits? And they can't deny you your compensation but man, can they alter the other medications they want to give to you? Yeah. yeah. That is something I've, I have faced. My, my psychiatrist at the VA was like, you know, I'm fine with you being in the medical cannabis program. Our clinical pharmacist is not. And will want to drug test you if I have to put you on stimulants, which work well for you as well. And then they're going to kick you off the stimulants once you pop. The way I got mm -hmm. around it was, I was like, well, I want community care then. I love how you're treating me, doc, but... I, I can't have this little micromanage system for mm -hmm. things that work and where they're going to kick me off the things that work as well. Yeah. So they're sending me out under TriWest to see the psychiatrist I already had under my TriCare out in town. So I'm going to see the same doctor who's doing all the same stuff, but the VA is going to cover it. And I just got to, I just got to pay for my, my state medical program out of my own pocket. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, one of the one of the issues that we came across is that we uh, we did a program at a veterans um, residence. Um, it's like an apartment complex here in Houston um, with, I think, maybe over 200 units. So we sponsored bingo, did a really informative. However, 
um, we were informed that if they were to have a dirty urinalysis test, then they could be asked to leave um, that particular residence. Hmm. So that was that was challenging. Yeah. You know, if, if they were to even get into the program, um, I guess part of their rent being paid or sponsored or I'm not quite sure how the logistics of that went, but um, they would be subject to um, a drug test. And if they failed that drug test, they could be asked to vacate. So that's tough. Yeah. And what I wonder then is it, it becomes a question for y'all to ask is that what do they consider a dirty UA? Right. Because because technically, if say they're on Ritalin. Mm-hmm. whatever reason they're gonna obviously pop for cocaine usage right but if they have the prescription attached they go well this is no longer a dirty ua right and well they acknowledge that prescription as well like a lot of other private providers and i'm surprised our legal system starting to recognize it as well yeah and do they recognize that yeah we have we have some um and we've had some obviously just to test the waters and just to see if was there any case study, but we've had uh, quite a few patients that are on supervised release, whether it's probation or what have you. And um, their probation officer has honored the, uh, they've went to their supervisor. They've requested certified medicals from us. So we've had to actually put the medicals in an affidavit format and send it directly to their judge, court clerk, or whoever requested it. And they, the person was, didn't have any problem. As long as those medicals were certified and came directly from us, um, in an affidavit yeah. format. So we've started doing that and asking patients, if you're on any supervised release, we're going to have to certify your medicals. We just need to get ahead of it. Uh, that's, that's real interesting there because I interviewed a guy last year mm-hmm. uh, that basically was was on probation for, for cannabis possession. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think there might even have been a little bit of, of intent to distribute along with that. But I forget exactly what all charges he had. But uh, he also was a teacup patient, mm-hmm. and he, he became a teacup patient strictly to go back to the state and say, hey, you know, wait a minute, I'm a patient. You tell me to follow my doctor's orders, but if I follow my doctor's orders, I'm going to be violating my probation. Mm-hmm. So you tell me what to do. And, of course, I never did hear what he, what he did with that, but I need to follow up with him. Yeah. But... I- but uh, I think it gets a little sketchy based on what you're on probation for. I think yeah. if, I think if it's assault or it's that that kind of moves a little bit differently. But I think that if you're on for possession or something like that, then it may get a little gray. It may get into a little gray area. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. But the ones that we've dealt with, we they haven't had a problem of violating or anything like that. So that mm. that's been good news. Yeah, that is good well, news. Well, it is time that we go into our first sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined this week by co-host Gramps. This week is episode 54. Our guest is Lamont Ratcliffe of Texas Medical Marijuana Doctors. We'll be right back after this sponsor message. is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and the Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flour, pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta Eat, and merch. For more information on their product's quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. 
Thrive Apothecary offers an experience truly unique from anything else in Texas. A full-service cannabis solution that is doctor-owned and offers customers every level of cannabis legally available in Texas. From traditional CBD products to emerging hemp-derived THC edibles, smokables, and now medical cannabis. As a licensed medical cannabis provider, prospective patients from anywhere in Texas can book a sponsored online eligibility consultation to determine if they qualify for a medical marijuana prescription from the comfort of their own home. Plus, for Texas veterans, the first prescription appointment is donated by Thrive. Visit thrivetx.com for more information. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, the official podcast of Texas Cannabis Collective. Distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Gramps. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined by co-host this week, Gramps. This week is episode 54. Our guest is Lamont Ratcliffe of Texas Medical Marijuana Doctors. Welcome back to the break, everybody. How's everybody, how's everybody doing? Well, doing well. Good. Good. Awesome. Man, this episode's moving by quickly. It's, it always does when we've got great conversation. <laughs> so where exactly are y'all located at, Lamont? So we have three locations here in Houston, um, which is on downtown Medical Center, Southwest Houston and east side of Houston, going toward Beaumont, uh, Baytown. And then we have 10 virtual offices throughout the state of Texas where we see patients um, through telemedicine, whether Dallas, Fort Worth, McAllen, um, Waco, Denton, um, the Valley, and I can't remember the other uh, two, uh, I think Galveston. So three solid brick and mortar locations and 10 virtual offices where um, you can be in one of those outlying counties and go on Google and find us. And then we can go and we'll go ahead and um, make your visit virtual. Obviously, the virtual visit will happen in Houston via the Internet. But we'll um, register you. You'll get everything certified through your email. And we've been doing pretty good with that as well. Cool. I was wondering how, the, how well the telehealth thing has been working, because I imagine when COVID hit, that was something everybody switched to that. Right. And, it, and it's really good to capitalize off of because it, it really helps the outlying counties like those places where there's no dispensary. There's no doctor that's uh, in the program. Um, those people are crying out. They're just like, hey, where do I go? So it's very good for us to be able to bridge that gap um, through telemedicine, help them and do the things that, um, you know, help them get into the program and they can start um, understanding a better quality of life. Yeah. Speaking of like, there being no dispensary, something I've wondered, and maybe you can answer this, and if you can't, it's understandable, is that uh, are the doctors allowed to, I get it, they, they, they prescribe mm-hmm. what's in the Texas Compassionate Use Program. Right. Do they recommend over-the-counter products that are part of our hemp program? No, we don't. What we do is we prescribe and uh, most patients will say, hey, well, what's my next move? You can choose to go to a dispensary the way that Texas has their ratio. You can almost go to a glorified CBD store probably and get what you need. So do your research if you need us and we'll circle back and we can point you in the direction. But if you go on Google, you'll see the dispensaries here in Texas and the options that you have. 
Yeah. Cause I know it's very limited in what we can get a hold of yeah. and the, the products I get it. They're, they're like, we've got 10 milligram gummies. We've got some twenties yeah. or 25s. And then there's other products that are out there that they're more value for your dollar. Really. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we find that a lot of our patients, I would probably say if I had to put a number on it, 50 probably 60% don't go to the dispensary. Yeah. You know, they're, you know, find an alternative, whether it's a CBD store or what have you. Um, and that's the way that they purchase their medication because they, they can get a more bang for their buck. Yeah. They want to be protected, I guess, ha- being un- in the program, you know, possessing and, you know, having their medication. They want to be just make sure that they're covered. Chris, what's on your mind? I was going to ask you, uh, uh, Lamont, how many how many success stories are you hearing on these return patients? Um, Lots. You know, um, actually, what we did was starting in July, because we saw patients in September, at the beginning of September of 2021, we started reaching out to them for recertification, let them know that a year is coming up. Um, and I would probably say there's a 90 percent standard. You know, they enjoy the program. Um, they have no problem coming back in, getting recertified. Um, very few opted out of the program. We're probably 90 percent retention rate. So they're very happy with the program. I mean, obviously, they all want more. Um, they all want access to more. They all sure. want the, the levels up. However, we do encourage them um, from a strict, from a political and a business standpoint and a practical standpoint that participating in the program increases the numbers and it gives um, the lobbyists and the people that are um, pushing uh, for more openness in the program more leverage because the more people that are in the program that, you know, that shows that, hey, these are voters and these are people that can move the needle the right way. Well, that was going to be my next thing. Uh, you know, the success stories and people willing to speak about it and talk about Absolutely. it. If, they're, if, you, if you have anybody like that, send them our way because we're always looking to put those stories out there, you know, because uh, the, the, you're absolutely right. Getting more people involved in the program is one thing, but getting those people who are involved in the program to be vocal and tell mm-hmm. their story and, and how it's helping them. And, and you know, there are those that, that it's helped them get off alcohol. There are those that it's helped get off of tobacco. You know, there are those that, that have stopped taking opioids because they're now in the teacup program. Yep. So the more of those stories we can get out there, send them our way. Okay. And we, we, on Fridays at our Crawford location, we see nothing but cancer patients. Um, so they have some really heartfelt, strong, um, emotional stories about their quality of life. So I'll definitely um, make sure that I'll speak to Ariel, our vice president, and we can get some of those people to you because they're big on testimonials. They're very articulate and they've been through a lot, a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's not to say that we think alcohol should be banned or that tobacco should no. be banned or that people shouldn't be able to use. Or even if doctors want to appropriately prescribe opiates, because mm-hmm. it's strange. I've run into people in the movement that they're like, oh, we'll just, just get rid of those other things. This will replace that. It's like, we're not looking to replace anything. This needs to be an option on the table. An yes. alternative. Yes. As I, I told one of my son's doctors, it needs to be in the formulary. That's what it needs to be. The doctor has an option in the formulary to pick this out. Right. <clears throat> what would you say is the biggest pitfall from a, 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 a Kurt perspective from running a, a doctor's side of it? You know, um, I think that Kurt needs to open up definitely some um, intelligent form of communication with the patients. Um, sometimes patients have questions. 
um, hey, I want to call DPS. Will this be on my license? Will um, will my job have access to this Kurt system? Do state agencies? I'm a teacher. Um, say, hey, you know, give Kurt a call. And they really don't have a line of communication with Kurt, like a, a hotline or FAQ type of situation because it's so new. You know, we have school teachers that say, hey, is this something that I'm going to apply for a vice principal job? One of them said, is this something that they can find out that I'm in this program? People are going through divorces. We have all kinds of situations. They say, hey, can my wife's divorce, can her attorney find out that I'm part of this program or whatever? Mm-hmm. Hey, you call Kurt. I don't know exactly who has access to it. We have a doctor's portal. I don't know if law enforcement has a portal, a court system, or state agencies, if federal government has a access. I don't know. We only have our portal. So it, those are good questions that they want to ask Kurt. And Kurt, they just can't get a direct answer. Um, so I think Kurt needs to open up, hire some people and train them and they can answer those questions. That's, that's I don't have an answer to those. <laughs> that's interesting how you bring that up because it's it's a tricky thing because it's it's a health record. Mm-hmm. And yeah. obviously there, the doctor has to disclose his health record to the state by how it's set up. Correct. It's going into the registry system. But then it becomes is like you said, what other agencies can look at this legitimately? They go, well, we have a legitimate interest in looking at this as like a government agency. Like you said, school teacher, mm-hmm. does the school district go, hey, well, we get to dig into that as we see fit or does it stay up, which is private? Right. Pre-employment screening. Yeah. Can they, can they look at it and say, oh, you know, and derive a synopsis of your character or, or what have you? Um, I know that the probation departments that we deal with supervised release, we require that they send us a medical authorization. We just don't turn over medical records because they're asking. So that person that's on supervised release has to sign a medical release authorization and authorizing them to obtain their medical records. We just don't arbitrarily give it to them. And, and to, to be clear, because I've seen this, um, there is another way that technically they can get a hold of it. And that's basically mm-hmm. a judge ordering it. They basically put out yeah, a subpoena. subpoena going, we want that. Yeah, they're like, we subpoena that information. Give it to us. Right. Because I've, right. I've heard right. people go, oh, they can't do that. They can't just go grab my record. And if a judge puts a subpoena for it, they're getting it. Right. Yep. Yeah. And if you're if you're on supervised release, there's some judge that's over your situation. <laughs> yep. So, exactly. Yeah. That reminds me, I only know of one person so far that hasn't been allowed to use teacup as part of their, I think it was like deferred adjudication. And mm-hmm. what it came down to was that their attorney did not want to bother with having the doctor be present for the hearing. The doctor wrote a letter, their therapist wrote a letter, and the probation officer involved was like, I don't want to do this. I don't like it. Mm. And they, they, the person could have fought it, but their attorney was like, I don't really want to fight this. They said no. Mm. The answer is no. Good luck convincing the judge. The probation officer said no. And speaking to a doctor about it, he was like, I've never heard of this. Every time that it's happened, we show up. Like we either mm. appear on Zoom or we show up in person or on phone call. Right. And acknowledge, hey, I'm the physician. I wrote this. I'm saying this under oath. This is the recommendation. He's like, and every time the judge goes, fine. Yep. Th- th- we're going to go yep. with you. And there's, there's an affidavit, uh, a medical affidavit format that certifies the medicals under oath, get it notarized. And that serves as testimony in any court. And that's basically what we do. We just, you know, we've had our attorneys draft one. We haven't had any kickback um, when we pr- when we produce the uh, medicals under a certified format. And for those who don't know, an affidavit is basically just a sworn statement that's been yeah. notarized, mm-hmm. and that's it. You basically it's under oath without being in court. Correct. Yes. 
what would you say has been um something that when y'all were getting started y'all mm-hmm. didn't think was going to be an issue with getting patients in but has been like a major obstacle mm-hmm. getting patients in um what has been a major obstacle with uh getting patients in i would say something that's um that we had to adjust our schedule to is um because it's not covered by insurance is our pay our our patients toward the end of the month. Cause you know, that's kind of when people's uh, um, auxiliary income becomes a little bit short. So we see probably about 50% load toward the end of the month. So what we've tried, so what strategically what we've tried to do is um, do, and I don't want to say it too much cause I don't want people to start booking toward the end of the month, but we'll do a percentage off for the last week of the month. One that so, comes to my mind is <laughs> veterans. You mentioned the veterans thing. Yeah. <laughs> my paycheck for my, my compensation my bank goes, we're going to give it to you the day early. So it's supposed mm. to come on the first. It'll sometimes come on the 30th. If it hit, if it lands on like a weekend, I may get on like the 26th or 27th. Mm. Yeah. So, so I can yeah. imagine there, you're probably going to see an uptick of like veterans towards the end of the month. If they're getting that right. paycheck in that way. Yep. Um, and then uh, one of the things initially was, uh, cause we didn't have a mental health expert on file. Um, we were just accepting the patients that already had the diagnosis of PTSD with the paperwork. But I had to bring someone in and I just got it from the floor, uh, the state of uh, Florida's format. I started looking at the way that they were doing things. And I looked at some of the doctors um, and they were contracting with mental health professionals uh, via Zoom and adding that into the cost um, of the visit uh, to make sure that the patient had the proper um, diagnosis before we saw them. And that's I want to talk. We're going to go into a sponsor break here, but that's something I want, I want to talk about again when we come back, because that's. Man, it's a way doctors are set up and what they can diagnose is kind of confusing and there's ways of getting around issues with that. Mm-hmm. We're going to go into a spot break here at the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined by co-host Gramps this week. This was episode 54. Our guest is Lamont Ratcliffe of Texas Medical Marijuana Doctors. We'll be right back after these sponsor messages. Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and the Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flour, pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta Eat, and merch. For more information on their product's quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Thrive Apothecary offers an experience truly unique from anything else in Texas. A full-service cannabis solution that is doctor-owned and offers customers every level of cannabis legally available in Texas. From traditional CBD products to emerging hemp-derived THC edibles, smokables, and now medical cannabis. As a licensed medical cannabis provider, prospective patients from anywhere in Texas can book a sponsored online eligibility consultation to determine if they qualify for a medical marijuana prescription from the comfort of their own home. Plus, for Texas veterans, the first prescription appointment is donated by Thrive. Visit thrivetx.com for more information. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, the official podcast of Texas Cannabis Collective. Distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Gramps. 
Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined this week by co-host Gramps. This week is episode 54. Our guest is Lamont Ratcliffe of Texas Medical Marijuana Doctors. We were we were just discussing about who can diagnose what, like getting mental health physicians in and to cover things like PTSD and getting those types of diagnosis is done. I had to go look up the term while we were on break. It's an internist. And I didn't know about this until I was getting um, a VA compensation and pension exam. And it's a weird thing. The Texas legislature said that a specialist who specializes in that thing must be the one who diagnoses and deals with this. An internist is a specialist pretty much of everything. Their job is to diagnose these things and then pass it off to a specialist. So it's almost like a loophole in our system that if you have an internist on staff, someone who's qualified as such, they can diagnose practically anything and make these recommendations. I don't know if if you've run into that, if you've heard of that, Lamont. I have not. um, I would probably say our patient population is probably 70% PTSD, um, maybe 10% autism, 20, 25% cancer. And obviously the cancer patients come in with all the diagnosis. the yeah. autism come in with all the diagnosis um, and the PTSD, not really a bunch of diagnosis, uh, paperwork to back up the diagnosis. So those are the ones that we have to work up. I'm wondering, because it's something we, we added, it was supposed to be like the big, the big add in was incurable neurodegenerative diseases. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, are you running into that at all? Or- no, um, we haven't, we haven't ran into many of those at all. I mean, that, that blanket, you know, I talked to Dr. Macbeth about that. That covers quite a bit. However, trying to articulate that to the patients, um, they just kind of fall into the PTSD. <laughs> you know, when you start talking to them about that, they just kind of fall into the PTSD diagnosis. Because something that um, I remember bringing up with, with, with somebody. I think our biggest challenge is going to be, yeah, I think we need to get chronic pain on there. I think that's yeah. the biggest yeah. challenge. Honestly, like, that's going to help a lot, lot, lot of people. And also that's going to open up the program to um, a lot more people and us being able to educate a lot more people, register a lot more people through Kirk and help a lot more people. Uh, Cause even the PTSD patients, their major diagnosis is chronic pain. Um, their sub diagnosis is PTSD. It may be a car accident that they had a very, very bad car accident, four or five herniated disc plates within them. They're dealing with a lot of chronic pain and we have to revert back to the actual accident. Um, and the remembrance of in the mental part of the accident to diagnose the PTSD, but the chronic pain is actually their initial diagnosis, but we just have to go with their sub diagnosis to qualify them. Yeah. I think probably, cause that seems to be when I've talked to doctors about when they're using the term chronic pain, some of them that are in favor of having medical cannabis, they get scared. They've told me they're scared for that because they think that's too broad of a term. They're like, well, yeah. what's chronic pain? Did, did this happen and all of a sudden you're just complaining that it's pain all the time? And the, the term that I heard during the legislative session, the last two and some doctors have recommended is uh, neuropathy because mm-hmm. that tends to be a lot of the chronic pain issues are caused by this nerve right. damage. Right. And that's something that has been, that's been on my mind is like, how do we go about dealing with that? Cause like there's, there's another one we have in our list, but basically equates to muscle spasms. And uh, right. when you say muscle spasms, doctors go nervous twitch in your eye could be considered a muscle spasm. Are we going to get yeah. medical cannabis for that? Yeah. Right. And there, there's a test 
there's a neurological test that you have to perform to officially diagnose this neuropathy. Um, so you have to have that machine that does that. So, because a lot of people, that, a lot of patients coming in don't have that paperwork. Well, it looks like we lost Lamont there. Um, we're running short on time. So we're going to go into our next sponsor break here at the Lone Star Collective podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined by co-host Gramps. This, this week was episode 54. Our guest was Lamont Ratcliffe of Texas Medical Marijuana Doctors. We'll be right back after these sponsor messages, and we will be wrapping up our show with our last segment. You don't want to miss it. Be right back. is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and the Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flour, pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta Eat, and merch. For more information on their product's quality or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Thrive Apothecary offers an experience truly unique from anything else in Texas. A full-service cannabis solution that is doctor-owned and offers customers every level of cannabis legally available in Texas. From traditional CBD products to emerging hemp-derived THC edibles, smokables, and now medical cannabis. As a licensed medical cannabis provider, prospective patients from anywhere in Texas can book a sponsored online eligibility consultation to determine if they qualify for a medical marijuana prescription from the comfort of their own home. Plus, for Texas veterans, the first prescription appointment is donated by Thrive. Visit thrivetx.com for more information. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, the official podcast of Texas Cannabis Collective. Distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams and Gramps. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined by co-host Gramps this week. This week was episode 54. Our guest was Lamont Ratcliffe of Texas Medical Marijuana Doctors. We lost Lamont a moment ago. But <laughs> if you're interested, Graham's laughing about it. It's, it was unfortunate. It happens. It it happens. happens. The internet company goes, no, you're talking about the marijuanas again. We can't be about that. <laughs> Guys out in Houston, Austin, Dallas, they're all talking about the marijuanas. Hell no. <laughs> If you're looking for more information about Texas Medical Marijuana Doctors, you can visit them at TexasMedicalMarijuanaDoctors.com. We've put the, the link down in the bottom of our video. That's Texas spelled out. For those of you who are listening in, T-E-X-A-S, MedicalMarijuanaDoctors.com. It's a long one. Yeah, it's a long one. <laughs> but spell it out, T-E-X-A-S. Unlike Texas State, which is T-X. <laughs> yeah. I was having to tell us that when I started going to university. It's TX, not T-E-X-A-S. But yeah, if you want more about their organization, how to get an appointment, visit TexasMedicalMarijuanaDoctors.com. We thank Lamont for joining us, despite the 
the disadvantage we had of the, the call being out for him. We hope we can get him back on here again in the future, talk more about what's going on in the state of Texas with our Kurt physicians. But we've got other events coming up. You want to know about these types of things, and Gramps has the info on that. The 411, tell us about it. Well, the biggest thing is, you know, the coming up in a couple of weeks, about three weeks to be exact, uh, or a little over three weeks, is the uh, Texas Marijuana March and Freedom Festival coming up in beautiful downtown Fort Worth, Texas, uh, on October 8th from noon to 7 p.m. Uh, we've got 36 vendors. We're sold out. All our vendor spots are sold out. So 36 vendors, everything from CBD to Delta 8, Delta 9, hemp drive, uh, clothing, glassware, arts, crafts, you name it. We're going to have food trucks. Uh, we've got musical performances scheduled, as well as the annual march to the courthouse with a little bit of civil disobedience. And uh, that's coming up, like I say, in about three and a half weeks, October 8th in downtown Fort Worth, Texas. Be fun time. I've been Absolutely. All, all, all the acronyms in my head on my CBD and BDC and DBC and BDSM. And <laughs> <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Strike. But no, it's uh, it's really it's going to be a great one. You know, we always have a real great time. Uh, City of Fort Worth is, is really great and works with DFW Normal. And of course, the collective is, is involved this year as well. Uh, and uh, I just got to say that it's 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 amazing at how well this partnership has grown over the years uh and and the fact that the police and everybody works together fire emergency services uh it's real real interesting to be to sit in on that meeting you know with the city as we're we're planning and getting ready for this thing so uh it's going to be an exciting time well if you've made it this far we thank you for listening in and joining us in our wild and crazy discussions here at the Lone Star Collective podcast, the official podcast of the Texas Cannabis Collective. We asked that you will tell a friend, you know, somebody who hasn't been to an event or hasn't been out in a while. They want to do something outdoors. October 8th at the Burnett mm -hmm. Park in Fort Worth. Time to come out. Be plenty of fantastic speakers. I know Colt DeMorse is coming all the way out from El Paso. So that's, yep. that's a hell of a drive. Yeah, we've got people coming from El Paso, Corpus, Houston, Texarkana. I've seen people even from Amarillo saying they're coming. Uh, so uh, don't tell me you can't come. It's too far. I don't want to hear that because if they can do it, you can too. It's just one weekend. Come, come for this to learn. Get ready for our legislative session because the next time we're going to, I would say we were going to, like, you have to come, will be legislative session. Yep, absolutely. That is the next time we need people to show up. And this is where we're going to start informing people right with this date. So yet again, we thank you for your time here at the Lone Star Collective podcast. I'm host Jesse Williams. I'm joined by co-host Gramps this week. I said this week was episode 54. Our guest was Lamont Ratcliffe of Texas Medical Marijuana Doctors. It's been quite the evening. We hope everybody has a great time. Start enjoying your fall this week with our 100 degree fall day. Y'all have a good one. Peace and love, everybody. Thank you.